Welcome to evening worship here. It's Father's Day, a great day to come and worship the Lord. It is a time that on Sunday evenings throughout the summer, in fact, the first day of summer was actually yesterday, so it's a officially now summer. Uh, we're here uh, in God's house among God's people worshiping the Lord. Great time to do that. Uh, always studying your Bible, growing in the knowledge of God. Do you know when we die, we will stand before God and we will give an account of our life. And one of the best things is to you to be faithful say, I was a student of your word, I grew, I served, and I think that's why it's so important that you have a healthy, daily, just dose of God's word. And that's you learning yourself, that's coming to church, that's watching online church, hearing your pastor preach and teach God's word. Open up your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 21, verse 37. We are going through the Acts of the Apostles on Sunday evenings. We've been doing it now for, goodness, almost, I would say almost a year at this point. I think we started in the fall. We've just been going through incredible stories of the Lord, how he started there with Jesus' ascension, and now we see the church not just um, growing, but thriving with miraculous events of the gospel advancing. So that's what we're going to see here. We're going to look at two main sections in the, in the Acts of the Apostles. What is, I want to give you some background information. Paul, he has been arrested. He is in Jerusalem. And what's about to happen here is he's going to give a defense. And then after his defense, he's going to share his testimony. Have you ever shared your testimony? Have you ever had a story worth telling? Well, if you were saved, you do have a story worth telling. And that's the story of your old life coming to know Christ and, and then your new life. You know, I think about old life versus new life. And these two devices, real, it's only one device. This is what old life and new life represents. All right, let's think of old life because that's what a testimony is. That's a changed life. And Paul's life has been changed. Old life, Father's Day, you got your dad a tie. This is what it used to be. Your dad, you, would sit there in the couch with his reading glasses on, with the sports page, and he would sit there and do this. Hours. Reading the newspaper. Reading every single article. Just relaxing and doing that. And this is what it would be like. This is, that, was, that was what men... Uh, certainly did. That was, that's kind of your old life. Your new life. If you do this, this here is what you're now reading off of. This might be what you're watching sports. You're watching your uh, 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 news. You're reading your newspaper. You're sitting there, might not have your glasses on, and you're reading from a tablet. You're reading from your iPad. And you can see the difference. 40 years ago, when folks were reading newspapers in the 19, 
or I guess that would be 1980, they never would have dreamed by 2020, a generation later, that's actually almost two generations, they wouldn't be reading the newspapers, they would be getting their news from something like that. But here's the difference, and here's what's so powerful about this. We as believers, whether we read one of these, we read a physical Bible, or we read it on a tablet or a phone digitally, the Word of God changes our life. It's transformational. And I think the principle we're going to see tonight, and what God's message for you today, is that the Lord, God, He radically changed Paul's life. Completely converted, we're going to see, this story we're about to, he, he tells. And Paul never whined or griped about going back to his old way. He had been redeemed. He had been saved by the blood of Jesus. And he was a different, a completely new man. That is what biblical salvation, biblical conversion looks like. So I want you to turn your Bible. Acts chapter 21, verse 37. He was about to be. He, he was about to be brought into the barracks. Paul said to the commander, "Am I allowed to say something to you? Can I speak up?" He replied, "You know how to speak Greek. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt from some time ago and led four thousand men of the assassins into the wilderness?" Paul said, I'm a Jewish man from Tarsus of Sicily, a citizen of an important city. Now I ask that you let me speak to the people. So Paul has something to say. They don't even know who Paul is. There was such confusion. They have no clue. They thought he was leading a rebellion in, in, uh, against, uh, with 4,000 people and thought he was an Egyptian. It just shows you there's, they have no knowledge of who this man is. Verse 40. After he had given permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned with his hand to the people. When there was a great hush, he addressed them in Aramaic. Aramaic would have, uh, what is this? Hebrew is the language of God. That's what Jewish people originally speak. And Hebrew is what they speak today and what they teach in school in Israel. But the common language that they would talk, use, it was not Hebrew during Bible times. The common language was Aramaic. That's how people, that's the language they used. It's a variation, very similar um, to Hebrew, but it's not Hebrew. So he is going to address them in their language so that they know, so that they can understand and grasp him. Verse 1, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard that he was going to address them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. He continued, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicily, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. That's interesting, he, Paul said that. Gamaliel is a well-known, renowned Jewish teacher during that time. And he's saying, I was... Even though I was born in this Greek-speaking um, Gentile city, I 
was raised, and when I became a teenager, I came to Jerusalem, I went to school, and I'm Jewish, and I learned under the best. He was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the law of our ancestors. I was zealous for God, as all of you are today. That means he's saying, I, I, was, I used to be just as passionate as you were. I, he's, he's building that connection. I am one of you. That's what he's saying. I persecuted this way. Do you know it uses the word way right there in verse uh, 4? That was what Christians were known as. They were called the way. Who's the way? The way is Jesus. The way is eternal life. The way is how to get to heaven. When we witness, when we preach and proclaim, we're showing people the way. So you've tuned in here on Facebook Live and you are listening to a message on the way. I tell you this, if you just stumbled upon this, if God has led you to this, I want you to really pay attention because we're going to see how to be saved. You're going to see a picture of what a converted life looks like. Because I believe now, amidst of all the uncertainty, amidst all the change going on, there is the greatest need ever for Christians to stand out in our culture and our community. Today's Father's Day. Dads, how are you making a difference? Do your children know you love the Lord? Or do they know if you love one of these? Is this what you're known for? Or is this what you're known for? I tell you, we want to be folks. We want to be godly men who just devour the Word of God. Who greatly spend time in growing and learning with the Lord. That's the reputation here. And that's what the way leads us to. So keep going here. I persecuted this way to the death. Arresting and putting both men and women in jail. Meaning he, th he threw folks in jail. As both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify. About me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to arrest those who were there and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. What Paul's saying is he was so passionate. He had so much desire to persecute the way, just like them. He even received special letters from Jerusalem. He had a permission slip to kill. He had been given permission to arrest those that were following the way. One of the things about this, Paul here is addressing a crowd. So let's look put up here on the board why Paul wanted to address the crowd. I mean, he's, he's just been arrested. He's standing there, and now he's about to address the crowd. Why, why would he want to do this? Paul, he wanted to show them that he was loyal to his Jewish heritage. He wanted to show that I'm, I'm one of you. So when you witness to folks, you want to show, I'm just like you. I'm a man just like you. I watch, I do, I cheer for the same sports teams whenever they start playing again, just like you. 
There was a community connection. The people looked at Paul and could relate to him. Have you ever not been able to relate to some people? Have you ever found a barrier between others? Where you just, there's just no connection. It's like, have you ever turned on the TV and you see some Americans, they're talking about strange ideas, new things, and you think, what planet am I on? Do these people live in America? What on earth is happening? Well, Paul wanted to make sure that he was showing them, I am loyal to my Jewish heritage. I follow the law. I studied under Gamaliel. I am passionate for the gospel. Not only that, Paul wanted to address the crowd. He wanted them to know the facts of his conversion. And we're about to see that. He's going to share with them how, how much the Lord changed his life. Has God changed your life? Have you put to death your old self? Have you died to sin? Are you no longer in bondage of some old habits? When we are saved, we change. Your old life has been buried with Christ and you're raised to walk a new life. And Christ, I believe, is looking for us to tell that story. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You have a story to tell. You follow him and you tell the story. The story is your conversion. I was once lost and now I'm saved. Think about it. What was your old life like? Can you even think, maybe as a believer, maybe you've been saved many years. And you think, Daniel, I... Uh, I don't hardly remember I've been saved so long, what my old life is like. I know I'll save, but I just don't remember. Well, think about a recent sin that maybe you used to struggle with. You had bad habits, and all of a sudden, God delivered you from that sin. You could even tell a recent story. I used to do this. I was a gossip. I struggled with pornography. I didn't tithe. I watched... R-rated movies, filth on TV. And God convicted me of that. God spoke to me about that. And now I'm different. That's a testimony. That's a conversion. That's a changed life there. Back in your Bible. Chapter 22. Here it is. Here's Paul's testimony. Acts 22. Verse 6. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus, he's in Syria there, he's going north from Jerusalem. About noon, an intense light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's Jesus speaking. Jesus is asking, why are you doing this? I answered, who are you, Lord? Now, he called him Lord, but Lord meant more of a sign of respect. Like, who are you, sir? Like, I, I, can't, I can't see you. He said to me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, the one you're persecuting. 
Verse 9. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. So only Paul heard the voice. They did not, they saw the light. A flashing light came, but there's no, what's going on? Verse 10. I said, what should I do, Lord? The Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus. And there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand of those who were with me and went into Damascus. So Paul was blinded by the light. When God speaks to you, it's a blinding. He's getting Paul, he's getting through to what this man who's going to basically kill, arrest women and men and children and followers of the way, followers of Christ. And he's going to, they're going to be completely transformed. Verse, verse 12. Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there. So Ananias does something. Look here. Verse 13. Came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very hour I looked up and I saw him. I want you to know this. Sometimes you need Ananias in your life. God sent Ananias to reveal to him the truth. Paul had no clue what he did not understand. He was blinded. It was Jesus. He's thinking, what's going on? I'm being led around like this. I can't see. And this man comes, Ananias, and helps, opens up his eyes, and he's going to give him direction. Do you know why you come to church? Because you want to come to church, and the pastor should stand in the pulpit and say, thus saith the Lord, Men, here's how to be a good father. You should love your wives. You should love your children. Children, you should obey and honor your dads. That's what it means to be a good father. We honor our father and mother. You should call, you should have called your father today, if he's still alive. You you pay respects. And I think the principle we see here in the scriptures. And Ananias came to point Paul in the right direction. And you need to be pointed. Some of you watching and listening to this thing, you need Ananias in your life to put you on the right track. Because I want to tell you, if this is what's guiding you, if you're just watching the news, watching TV, watching the computer, just going whatever the way the wind blows in the news, you get stirred up and upset. We don't live by fear, wondering how many new cases of COVID are there today? What's going on in the world? Listen, we want to be men and women that we are known for our prayer life. When's the last time you saw your dad, your grandfather, your son down on his knees, praying to the Lord, crying out, calling out, Christ, is putting an Ananias in your life to point you to the Lord. And so what happens is, Paul arrives, he's blinded. And sure enough, 
here comes Ananias. And he gets his sight back. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 14. And he said, The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth. Verse 15. Since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard, Ananias is revealing to Paul his mission. God spoke to this man, this prophet, and now he's proclaiming. Has the, has the Lord ever laid someone on your heart? Won't you follow me? Do you know of a young person that's younger than you? Maybe a little, they're not quite as mature as you in their faith. Maybe they're a newer believer. They're new to this church or they're newly attending. And the Lord's put them on your heart. And he wants you to encourage them in their relationship and their walk with Jesus. That's what we're seeing here with Ananias. Ananias is encouraging Paul in his walk. He's saying, you're going to be a witness for Jesus. You're going to have a greater purpose. Verse 16. And now, why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on his name. Baptism, it doesn't wash away our sins. Jesus washes away our sins. But being baptized is a symbol of that shows our sins have been washed away. If baptism washed away our sins, we wouldn't be calling people to the altar. We'd just call people to the baptistry and say, let's all jump in and we'll wash away our sins. And they'll go down the drain. Jesus washes away your sins with the cross. And our baptism is a sign that we've been saved. Our old life going down, our new life going up. In what many ways a conversion testimony. What Paul is sharing here is his baptism. It's my old life. A light blinded me. I met a man named Ananias who shared the gospel with me. He was lost, Paul was, and he needed direction. There's people in your life that you need to share the Lord with. Who are you praying for that needs to come to Jesus? Who do you need to witness to? What opportunity? Maybe you're dad. Maybe you have a son. Maybe you are a dad. Today on Father's Day, you had the opportunity, or you soon have the opportunity to speak to your son or daughter. And you need to tell them about the Lord. They need to get right with Jesus. Verse 17. After I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. And I saw him telling me, Hurry and get up out of Jerusalem quickly. Because they will not accept your testimony about me. Paul had to leave Jerusalem because they were going to turn against him. Paul was known first as a murderer. And now he got converted. He's known as a, a passionate preacher and missionary of the gospel. Verse 19. But I said, Lord, they know that in the synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed and you imprisoned and beaten. Meaning, I have a rap sheet of abusing Christians. Lord, how will they not believe me? Look at the conversion. I used to be so anti-Christian. But now, Lord, you have saved. You've delivered me from that. Verse 20. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed... 
I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of him who killed him. Paul's sharing here his testimony. The first martyr, Paul was the one approving and, and supporting it. Verse 21. He said to me, go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Paul, at his conversion, received his mission. He knew he was the missionary, he was the preacher, he was the pastor to the Gentiles. He was to be the one that takes the gospel all the way to the utmost parts of the earth. In many ways, our mission we do today, on a daily basis, of taking the gospel to the Gentiles, our conversion as a Gentile started with Paul. He went into Europe. He's the first Christian to go into Europe and bring the good news. You know, we see here about this Damascus Road experience. We see the transformation from a terrorist to an evangelist. Paul talks about this in the book of Galatians. Why don't you look up here on the board? This is a picture of Paul's life. Have you ever met someone or heard about someone and think they are so far from God? How could they do that? Do you know two announced three weeks ago, the last weekend in May, May 29th, 30th, and 31st. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There were, I believe it was 33 was the number. It was the bloodiest weekend. You know, that was only, what, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. In the city of Chicago, which is the third largest city in the United States, 33 people were murdered. You say, what was it, rioting? No, it was random shootings. It was gang-related. It was uh, it's just a war zone. People killing each other. Domestic violence, fighting. And the, the city of Chicago said it was their bloodiest weekend ever. 33 people died. I think it was 33. It might even be higher than 33. It was brutal. And what happened is, I mean, the streets of such a wonderful city in America, a large city in America, people are literally dying. Not every now and then, but multiple, multiple deaths every day. And we look... And some of these cities such as Chicago. And we look at the brokenness. You see the murder. You see the death. You see the pain. You see the addiction. You see the suffering. And these folks are Americans. And you know, even Kentucky borders Illinois on the far side. This is a neighboring state. Chicago is there in a neighboring state for us. And you go up, and there's certain parts of that city, and it's literally like you're in Afghanistan. It's so dangerous. Lawlessness going on. Even the police can't even keep up. 
three weeks ago. It's a bloodbath in that town. And you go, what can change it? What can change someone's heart from making them from a murderer to a preacher to the, of the gospel? And only Jesus can do that. He can take someone who's killing people in Jerusalem, who's headed to Damascus to kill people, and all of a sudden, Jesus Christ radically transforms them. You know what we need in, in, in America? We need a revival. We need to see our cities that we have just lost. So They've gone so far to being so dangerous. Seeing the folks converted to Christ from a murderer, from a terrorist, to an evangelist, to a preacher. Do you know at any moment we could be a victim of crime? I'm here in our beautiful sanctuary. We have windows here. I'm looking out the window tonight at the cars driving by. Do you know there could be a drive-by drive shooting with one, one person trying to shoot someone else in another car. And that bullet misses that car and it sails straight for this church. It goes through that window right there and it hits me in the heart and I die. And I'm standing before Jesus. And I'm a statistic. I've been a victim of murder. Random act of violence. Drive-by shooting victim. Now, most of us come here and we're sitting in the sanctuary and we're not thinking about a bullet coming through our window killing us. Now, maybe you are, but most of us probably aren't. But the reality is, any moment we could be a victim of violence, a stray bullet could hit us, we could find ourselves just like those folks in Chicago. And some of the victims up there that weekend, I was reading about a few weeks ago. I mean, it's just children on their bicycles, just random violence, a war zone. There is the greatest need ever for revival and for spiritual growth and change in our cities. We have lost our cities here in America. We need more conversion such as Paul. I, we need an army of, of Pauls who were once just evil, wicked people. And they've been encountered by Christ and now they're serving the Lord. And I want to tell you, it's those people, those people that came out of that environment, they're the ones the Lord sends to go back in. Because they can say, I used to be like you, but God delivered me from this lifestyle and now I'm a preacher and evangelist. That's Paul's message here. Keep going here in your Bible. Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. We're going to read this. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. You know, we, uh, the gates of hell will never overcome the church that Jesus Christ established. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. I mean, Paul was passionate. Verse 15. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased. Verse 16. 
to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Meaning Paul recognized even in the wound, even before he was born, God set him apart for a greater purpose. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Meaning, he didn't go to where everybody else was going. He went to the Gentiles. He went to those that do, are not Jewish. Paul took the gospel to other most parts of the earth. And that's where we live today in America. In many ways, we don't even recognize our country anymore. What it was like 40, 50, 60 years ago and growing up in Lexington, small town Kentucky, Appalachia, coal mining villages, that is so different from today where you had community. It's easy to say, what on earth has happened? What is occurring on, around here? God is asking us, will you pray for a more Paul transformations. Well, we need to see radical change among people. Okay? What do we learn from Paul? I have it up here on the screen. What do we learn from Paul tonight? He teaches us three things here. Paul was calm. He does not attack. He did not go around attacking folks. There was a calmness with him. Listen, you never attack people into faith in Jesus Christ. No one comes to know the Lord because you argue them into heaven. That's not how it works. Number two, his courage. He doesn't cave. He's never ashamed. He says, I will not be ashamed of the gospel. He is a bold witness. Never ashamed for that. And not only that, his calling. He knows his assignment. From his mother's wound, he knows what God has set him apart for. We aren't responsible. Look at this on the screen. For the results, we're only responsible for sharing what brings change. You know what brings change? And that is G G G the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our hope. Our city. Our message. This sermon. Tonight, I've been talking about how to know the Lord. How God didn't bring you here by accident. He set you apart in the womb. Why? So we can identify with Paul and say, I want to change life. I want to be like this. I might have had this great upbringing or terrible upbringing, but what's best is when that Ananias comes in your life and shares with you the good news so you can be saved. Do you know God gives the growth? God is the one who grows. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3.6, Paul wrote, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. So wherever you're at, whether you planted, whether you watered, but then ultimately, a planter is somebody who's doing the evangelism. Apollos has come along doing the discipleship. They go hand in glove. They fit together. We share our faith and we disciple others. God grows them. We share our faith. We disciple others. Who discipled Paul? Gamaliel. He shared that in, in earlier. He says, I was trained by a man named Gamaliel who taught me the scriptures. And what did Paul do after he was discipled? He became the greatest missionary in the history of the earth. 
He went to the Gentile peoples. He went to the Greeks. He went to Arabia. He went to Damascus. He went outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel, sharing the good news. And the message for us is reminding us that this is our message that we share. You get It's a cycle. Evangelism, discipleship. Evangelism, discipleship. When you become a disciple, you then want to evangelize. You want to share the good news. Last Bible verse. Do you know, this reminds us about our identity in Christ. This scripture here reminds us about what's most important. In Christ, there is not Jew or Greek. Does not. Does not matter. When you're in Jesus Christ, he does not look at your background. He's not going to see us as an American, as a white man, as a black man, as a Canadian. Does not circumcision and uncircumcised. He's not going to look at whether or not you're circumcised, whether you follow the law. Barbarian, Scythian, or even slave and free, he's not going to look at you and say, is I a free man or a slave man? But look at this. But Christ is all and is in all. Jesus Christ is calling you to join him. He wants to come into your life. And change you. Paul was converted. Men this Father's Day. Do you need to experience conversion? Do you need to be a better father? Only God can make you a better father. Secularism. Living a worldly lifestyle. It does not lead to conversion. God radically changes. Terrorists to evangelists. A Chicago gangster. To a, to a Chicago preacher. Someone who used to run around selling drugs. Someone who's now selling and sharing and discipling for the glory of God. And I think the principle we see here is transformation. My testimony changes your lives. I used to be like this and now I'm like this. I invite you tonight to know the Lord. Come into a relationship with Jesus this Father's Day. Sons, daughters, does your dad want you to get saved? Have you trusted Jesus? Has your father been praying for you to come to know the Lord? Maybe he used to bring you to church. Maybe he used to bring your children to church, but you're no longer doing that. Maybe you need to call your children, check on them, and see where they are spiritually. Ask them where they have been growing what the God what the Lord has been teaching them I want to tell you during this quarantine season it's going to be very easy to get out of the spiritual disciplines and the habits of growing and knowing the Lord tonight you can receive Jesus for some of you, you don't need to receive Jesus you need to make a recommitment to Jesus for some of you, you need to make a commitment to be a better father a godly father Jesus is father was God. And God instructed his son what to do. Jesus would get away and pray alone. And he spent time with the Father. He knew God's will in his life. I'm going to invite you to bow your head. I want you to put your hands in the air.
And we're going to pray. And I want you to respond to God. And I tell you, this prayer we're going to pray, this response, it's a prayer of commitment. Commitment to be a better father. Commitment to a rededication. To commitment to grow in the Lord. God, I respond to you. Just like Paul received a blinding light, I receive you in my heart. Change me, Lord. God, I pray today that I'll be a better father. God, I pray that I'll be a better husband. God, I pray that I'll be the spiritual leader of my home. Jesus, forgive me. I want a rededication. I'm yours. Take my hands. Use them. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for renewing me. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In your name we all pray. Amen. I want you to know, if you said that prayer, commitment, you gave your life and heart to Jesus, the Lord can make you a better father. He can change your life. I want to hear from you. Reach out to me. Tell me what God's doing in your life. Send me a prayer request. Let me know what to pray for. I know the Lord has great plans in your life. And he wants to touch you tonight. Thank you for joining us. I hope to see you again Wednesday night. As we continue studying God's word. God bless you.